happy holidays from your host, Nick Amell of the Tennis Podcast. Am I supposed to introduce myself here? Yeah. I'm Brandon. That's typically what you do during the intro of a podcast. Brandon. You didn't throw it to me or anything. You just... <laughs> I thought it was self-evident. But did you notice that I said happy holidays and not Merry Christmas? Did the... And that's because the liberals... The war on Christmas was won? Yeah. Liberals have uh, taken Christmas from us, Brandon. Oh, well, they didn't take it from our top 10 list today. Yeah, I remember you telling me we had a uh, holiday-themed top 10 list. But before that, I do want to ask you, do you have any uh, Christmas plans? No, I have less plans than any other year, uh, mostly due to the pandemic, which is fine. It's going to be great. Uh, more importantly, are you on the naughty or nice list this year? I mean, I'm always on the nice list. Mm. Hmm. Not buying it, but go ahead. What's your list topic today? So, today, the top 10 list you will be guessing are the highest grossing Christmas movies coming to us from Box Office Mojo. Highest grossing Christmas movies, okay. Highest grossing Christmas movies. Christmas, right? Not like... No, and there's no... No Hanukkah movies? No, although I don't... I mean, I wish they would have factored those in, but I... The only one I could think of was, um, there's an animated Adam Sandler movie about Hanukkah. (laughs) That's also the first one I thought of, Eight Crazy Nights. That's the only one you thought of, right? Is there another Hanukkah movie? Mm, But if I thought about it for four or five hours, I could think of one. Exodus. Is that a movie? The one with uh, Charlton Heston? We're off the rails here. Let's see. Um, Yeah. Tell me about the list. Tell you about the list? Well, okay. Is it domestic? Is it global? Is it adjusted for inflation? All that stuff. No, we're not getting into all that shit. It's just top grossing. And yeah, I suppose it is worldwide. Okay. Top grossing Christmas movies. I'm going to nail it. I doubt it. If it's not adjusted for inflation, it might affect my guesses here. Well, a lot of the older things you might be associating with Christmas are likely um, TV specials, which weren't released in the theater. Okay. Is Bad Santa 2 in the top 10? No. Bad Santa 1. No, neither Bad Santa movies are in the top 10. I was positive they'd be 1 and 2. All of the movies in the top 10 are viewable by children. Oh. Which is not as fun. No. Well, okay, so then like no National Lampoon in there. No, either. National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation is not in the top 10 either. Okay. But they are not all recent movies. I have a uh, decent idea of the top few. Okay. So, I'll try to guess the back half. Let's start with uh, one kind of out of left field, but it's got some big names in it. I've actually never seen it, but I just remember seeing the trailers for Christmas with the Cranks. <laughs> no, Christmas with the Cranks is not in the top 10. Well, I'm out of guesses. I don't, there's no other Christmas movies in the entire world, so I don't know where you're pulling this Who list Who is from. in Christmas with the Cranks? Tim Allen and, uh, oh, what's her name? Jamie Lee Curtis. You know, the, yeah, Jamie Lee Curtis, thank you. Are they the Cranks? Supposedly. Haven't seen it. Well, then keep guessing. It's funny. Real quick side note. This is so different now in today's world versus the world where you and I grew up in when we watched TV with commercials and shit. Mm -hmm. Because there's so many, there's probably hundreds of movies that I've never seen, but I still know I've heard of them and I can like remember the trailer for them. So, like Christmas with the Cranks, I've never seen it, but I still recall from the trailer the the shot of Tim Allen full, with his face full of Botox, like struggling to speak. <laughs> uh-huh. Do you know what I'm saying Some though? Solid like Botox jokes? No. <laughs> yeah, Just, if uh, you watched live sports, 
you would have that same thing going on. Okay. Well, there's that. Uh, okay. So, another guess for you. I'm going to guess around seven, six or seven is Elf. Elf is number six. Okay. I'm not going to like, we do this, <laughs> no, we do just, this every fucking let's week. Let's just let it breathe for a minute. No, <laughs> I don't need to. It's also, it's also a multiple of two, just saying. Okay. And we're not getting into twos either. So, Elf <clears throat> came out in 2003 and earned $220 million. And yes, it is number six on the list. Nailed it. Is it safe to say pretty much everybody has seen Elf by now? I think Elf has become the new like go-to classic yeah, I Christmas agree. movie. It is. Yeah, of all the movies on here, I think it's one that's made like cemented itself in classic status very yeah. early. I think a lot of people probably have a tradition around watching Elf or showing Elf to their kids. If you've been living under a snowman... Or a butt. Or a snowman's butt. It stars Will Ferrell as a big old elf, <laughs> big adult yeah. man elf, and James Caan as his dad, and Bob Newhart as a, a little old elf. A human who is raised by elves. That's what the movie's about. It has the highest approval rating of any of these holiday movies on Rotten Tomatoes with 84%, hmm. uh, which might give you some clues. Actually, that's well, got to be Will Ferrell's top rated movie. Maybe so. It probably also still makes a ton of money. I'm sure people are buying yes. it all the time. Plus, it's in syndication constantly on uh, TV every year. I like this movie. We own it. I think we own it on a couple of different formats and I've watched it this year and, you know, I've seen it a bunch of times so I don't laugh quite as much as I did maybe the first time. But the footage of him walking away like the Patterson Bigfoot footage always makes me laugh. <laughs> It's crazy that, you know, it came out relatively recently, uh, probably compared to a lot of other films on this list, but it did, like we said, it reached cult, cla uh, cult Christmas classic, whatever you want to say, like pretty immediately. And um, a lot of the jokes that are like laugh out loud funny the first time you see it have almost become cliche like in pop culture now, like, you know, your grandma's going to share memes about, it's Santa! I know him. You know, yeah. Like, uh, everything yeah. he says in that has been abused to death by now already. My last note about Elf, because like I said, this is, Elf is well-tread territory, but I did not know this. Do you remember that Buddy has a 12-second long belch in the movie? Yes. I think, I think it's after he chugs a two-liter bottle of Coca-Cola. <laughs> yeah, he drinks the whole thing in like five seconds. Did he really do that? <laughs> no, I think it was like some kind of a special effect. I think he, no. Well, I know he definitely didn't chug the Coke. Or I know he didn't chug, I feel that he didn't chug the Coke. I know for a fact. Okay, so which is it? Do you, sorry. Did he or didn't he, Brandon? Let me, let me fix that. I believe he didn't drink the Coke. That seems pretty difficult. But I know for a fact he did not supply the 12-second belch. That was supplied by voice actor Maurice LaMarche, best known for his cartoon character The Brain from Pinky and the Brain. Huh. The Brain. I remember The Brain. Yeah, The Brain was the force behind that 12-second long belch. Is it really 12 seconds or are you just throwing out a That's number? That's what it said on IMDb. I didn't, I didn't pull out my stopwatch. Hmm. So, that's number six, Elf. Got it with my first try. The exact number. Pretty impressive. Pretty impressive. Just saying. Quit patting yourself on the back. Some of us are born to be presidents or astronauts and some of us are born to fucking nail top 10 list podcasts. <laughs> Of Christmas And movies. on that note, why don't I give you number nine or ten 
as Jingle All the Way. Jingle All the Way is not in the list. Okay, so the list is officially horseshit. It does seem kind of horseshit. I think it had to have been close out of the top 10, but it's not. My next guess, let me think. Hmm. I'm trying not to guess what I think is the top few. You were really swinging a lot of dick around a minute ago, and now you're awfully quiet. You, you haven't even seen the, the first inch of my dick swinging yet. So, prepare yourself for inch number two with my next guess, which is dot, 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 the Santa Claus with Tim Allen at number eight-ish. God damn. The Santa Claus is number eight. Is it number eight? Yeah. Oh, it, come on. <laughs> Give it to me. <laughs> it's like the worst thing that could have happened at this point. Another multiple of two. All right, the Santa Claus <laughs> is number eight. It came out in 1994. That feels like a long time ago. Mm-hmm. It earned $189 million. Hmm. It stars Tim Allen, Tim the Toolman Taylor. Yep, listener of the show. As Scott Calvin, an ordinary man who accidentally causes Santa Claus to fall from his roof on Christmas Eve. When he and his young son Charlie finish St. Nick's trip and deliveries, they go to the North Pole, where Scott learns that he must become the new Santa and convince those he loves that he is indeed Santa Claus. I guess it you... It is a clever little plot. You've seen this, right? Yeah, of course. The, I had explained to my kid, we didn't wa- haven't watched this, he's not very interested in it. But I did tell... <laughs> not enough fucking lightsabers and explosions. <laughs> no, I said, uh, thought he might like it because I, I saw, tried to sell him on it that Santa Claus dies in this movie. <laughs> He's like, no, he doesn't. And I said, yes, he does. And that is what happens. Santa is on Tim Allen's roof and Tim Allen grunts, scares the shit out of Santa. He slips off the roof and it hits the ground and he's dead. You know, by this point when Tim Allen encounters Santa Claus, wouldn't Santa have been on what? Billions of trillions of roofs by that point, right? Trillions of trillions because he's been around for however many years. And that's the first time it's happened. Oh, you know what? I'm reminding myself it's not because every time that does happen, whoever's house he's on becomes the new Santa, right? Yeah, it probably happens it's like every a year. Santa. <laughs> every, yeah. every year there's a new Santa. And then, yeah, Santa Claus's dead body disappears and he <laughs> yeah. leaves behind his red suit, probably with blood in it mm-hmm. and a... B- a lot of DNA in that suit. And a hash mark down the ass seat. <laughs> Jesus. And uh, a business card stating that if anything were to happen to Santa Claus, whoever is responsible, yeah. whoever, mur- if you murder Santa Claus, <laughs> now you're responsible to put on the suit and continue where Santa left off. But what's interesting is even if you don't want to be Santa, I mean, I guess spoilers, right? Yeah, tough tip. But even if you don't, even if you don't want to be Santa, you're going to become Santa anyway. Yes. Here's what happened over the course of the next year. Tim the Toolman Taylor underwent a drastic transformation. He began to gain a large amount of weight, resulting in a round pudgy belly. Oh, man, I wonder if I'm becoming Santa during this quarantine. We just had the same uh, 2020 that the rest of us did. He had an increased liking for sweet food, especially milk and cookies. And then he develops a thick beard. It grows on his face in spite of his attempts to shave it. And his hair turns white and it even proves immune to being dyed. So, his ex-wife rightly decides that he's insane <laughs> and she petitions a judge to suspend his visitation rights, which I yeah. think is a great part of this movie. It co- shows the real life consequences of becoming Santa Claus is that 
you lose access to your children because you're crazy. Yeah. And you slipped on a double entendre there. Maybe that's not whatever. You said uh, a judge, she used the judge to uh, get, you know, get custody or whatever. Mm -hmm. And you're not referring to the actor judge. Judge Reinhold. Yes, thank you. You finished it for me. That's right. Judge Reinhold uh, gets his weenie whistle Mm -hmm. in this movie. Yep. I'm going to get my weenie whistle later, but that's another thing. Do you know Judge Reinhold is like a champion whistler? Yep. You've mentioned this probably six or seven times on the show. Fucking love it. (laughs) Despite never doing an episode on anything regarding him. So, after his wife says, you're nuts and you can't see your kid anymore. He yep, get out. He uses the help of an elf to transport him and his son, Charlie, to the North Pole. And his ex-wife calls the police because he's now a kidnapper. Mm-hmm. He gets arrested and the elves break him out of jail. So, he's a fugitive. Oh, yeah. Remember, they, there's like an elf SWAT team that comes in and helps him. Do they shoot anybody? Have some sort of guns. I don't think they're guns, though. They're kind of like... They uh, shoot gumdrops or something. Yeah. <laughs> so, he returns be to his ex-wife's house to kidnap his son again. Somebody's got to stop this guy. <laughs> and you know, and the real Tim Allen, I think we've talked about it before, he has a criminal record. Yep. Disney had to make an exception to their uh, policy of not hiring ex-convicts to get the tool man on, in this movie. I didn't know. I mean, I guess it's not that surprising, but... I didn't hear it ever said like that, that they have that policy. It's interesting. We have that policy too. When you were interviewing to be my sidekick host, I had, I had to prove it. No felons. I hadn't, mm-hmm. Yeah. I've never been convicted. Now, the role of Scott Calvin slash Santa Claus was written with Bill Murray in mind. Oh, that would have been fun. But he read the script and said, <laughs> no. <laughs> so, after he turned down the part, then they tried to get Chevy Chase. And he didn't do it either. It's not a bad script. I mean, I don't know. It depends how you look at it, I guess. It's not the most artistically satisfying movie in the world. But as far as like shitty Christmas movies goes, it's one of the better ones. It's not going to ruin your day. No. It's also not going to win any awards, but who gives a shit? No. Uh, well, it won. It got in the top 10 of this. Got a, got yeah. a bunch of money for a bunch of people. Mm-hmm. There you go. Tim the Tool Man Taylor grunting his way into the top 10. Hey, you mentioned, uh, you know, we got Tim Allen and others a bunch of money for doing the show on mm-hmm. him. Well, I want to uh, give a quick plug to our new thing we're trying. <laughs> okay. Which is that... <laughs> thing? Well, I don't know how to explain it really, but it's a referral program. You go and you get a special link for the Tennis Podcast. You share that link with your friends. And every time someone uses that link to listen to the show, you unlock rewards. So, for example, if you get even just one friend to listen to our show using your special custom link, you'll get a sticker mailed to your house and we know how important that sticker can be. And if you get five friends to listen, you'll get a free shirt, which is like a $20 value. And then if you refer 10 or more friends, me and Brandon will personally... What? We'll send some... (laughs) We'll do a personalized like a little phone call with you. Oh, okay personalized message. So, it's literally takes you 10 seconds. You go to this website, you get your special URL, share it with e- on email or social media, whatever. That's it. Go to refer.fm slash tennis. That's refer.fm slash 10ish. I had to get that plug in and see how it goes. Okay. So, am I ready for another guess? You're ready. 
So I'm two for two on my exact guessing. They might put me in the Guinness World Record books for that. I think your streak ends now. Is there any surprises? When you read yes. this list, were you like, I cannot believe that's in there? Yes. Okay, I'm going to rule a few out. I don't think A Christmas Story is in there. No. I don't think It's a Wonderful Life is in there. No. I don't think A Miracle on 34th Street is on there. No. All superior movies to most of the ones in this list. Right, but they're old is the problem. To right. be an old movie and also be on this list, you had to be like an extraordinary hit yes. at the time. Okay, I'm going to say that um, Santa Claus's two and three are not on the list. You would be wrong. Seriously, okay, Santa Claus 2 is number 10. Santa Claus 2 is number 10. Oh, Brandon! Okay, but you made it all... <laughs> okay, that's not... We're not doing that. So, the Santa Claus 2, Santa with a gun, uh, came out in 2002 and earned $172 million. I'm surprised it's in there. Now, I guess that's one of the surprises you mentioned. It's not called Santa with a gun. Hmm. But I did think about that because I remembered that when my kid was six, I convinced him that there was a sequel to Dumbo called Dumbo 2, Dumbo with a gun. <laughs> <laughs> I would see the shit out of that. And now, now he just turned eight and we both still think it's funny that the sequel to any movie would be just the name of the first movie 2 with a gun. So, like the Grinch with a gun. The Grinch with a gun. <laughs> the Grinch would be a lot more effective yeah. destroying Christmas with that gun. <laughs> Whatever it is. They're, oh, like Babe, the movie about the <laughs> little pig was Babe 2, Babe with a gun. Whatever it is just comes back with a gun. Yeah. I love it. So, does the Dumbo that has a gun, is he like standing up on two legs and like being human-like with his shooting or is he like holding it in his trunk he holds and like it with being his trunk. an elephant? Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Great. So, the Santa Claus 2 is uh, the second installment in the Santa Claus trilogy. There was a third one too. <laughs> yes. With Martin Short looking creepy as fuck. Oh, that's right. We've talked about that. He plays Jack Frost. Mm-hmm. Everyone from the first Santa Claus came back for this one. It takes place eight years or it was made eight years after the first. I don't think it's supposed to take... Maybe it does take place. Who gives a fuck? Well, it does kind of matter because uh, part of it is about his son, Charlie, is on the naughty list and he's on the naughty list <laughs> for vandalizing the school. Oh, no. Which is the same thing that AJ Soprano got started out with. Yeah. Whatever happened to that actor, that kid? He was in a lot of shit back then. Oh, wasn't he also in Dunstan Checks In with a monkey? <laughs> yes. That was the one on my mind. Yeah, I don't know. Probably dead. Maybe he's dead. Yeah. In this movie, uh, besides his kid getting on the naughty list for shooting up the school, the head <laughs> elf tells Tim, the tool man, Taylor Santa Claus, that there is another clause. Oh, that's right. The, the movie's Mrs. called clause. like the... Right. Yeah. And his name is Scott in the movie. Scott is now pressed to get married before the next Christmas Eve... Or the claws will be broken and he will stop being Santa forever. Which you would think... Isn't he, that a good thing? Yeah, he yeah. would be like, oh, fuck, I could stop doing this dumbass stuff. But no, he wants to be Santa Claus now. He's brainwashed. He thinks he loves what it. What an egomaniac. I haven't seen this. Have you seen it? 
No. Okay. I've, I've only ever seen the first Santa Claus. So, I had to read about it and then I ended up, I was so flabbergasted but I, by the time I got through reading it, I had to go watch some videos and it messed me up. So, after <laughs> this, he, so he learns all this stuff and then he meets with the council of legendary figures. Uh, consisting of Mother Nature, Father Time, Cupid, the Easter Bunny, the Tooth Fairy, and the Sandman. Do we have any big name actors playing any of these? No. I mean, mm. there are people you like might recognize, but nothing exciting. I wonder who's Cupid. Uh, Kevin Pollock was Cupid. Is he cute? No. So, to cover for Santa's prolonged absence, a couple of the head elves help Santa make a life-size animatronic Santa clone. What? A life-size animatronic Santa clone. And they did this why? To cover so the other elves wouldn't, like as if they couldn't just say, hey elves, Santa's got to go do some shit. Can you just keep working? Why do they have to, it says to cover <laughs> for his prolonged absence. So, I guess if Santa's not there, the elves will cannibalize each other. <laughs> they need this dominating large man to oversee them and make sure that they don't get out of line. So, they create mm -hmm. a life-size animatronic Santa clone and they tell the uh, elves that Santa had a makeover so they won't question the strange rubberized synthetic appearance. Does it talk? Of toy Santa. Yes. Do you remember the Burger King King? What his yeah. head looks like? Of course. Of course. Okay. How could I forget? Kind that? of in that style. Like very, just like okay. a giant plastic figure, but also sort of realistic. And look, when you look for the image of Toy Santa from the Santa Claus 2, you're going to be terrified. I'm looking him up now. Oh, yikes. But is it a self aware, like intelligent robot? So that's what we're about to get into. That's what I wondered too. Let me unfold the story of the Santa Claus 2. So, at the North Pole, Toy Santa goes fucking ape shit. And yeah, as one does. he goes full dictator and puts everybody on the naughty list. And he mobilizes an army of toy soldiers. And he forces the elves to deliver lumps of coal to every boy and girl in the world. <laughs> oh, no! So, meanwhile, while this shit's going on, Scott Calvin, Santa Claus travels back to the real world and he has some magic that helps him look normal again. He looks like Tim the Toolman Taylor instead of Santa. So, he meets with his kid's principal to save his kid's soul because his kid is off the rails. He ends up falling yeah. in love with the principal whose name is, what's her name? Let me try to get her name. Her name is Carol. Like Christmas Carol, Brandon. Exactly. So, he falls in love with Carol and he tries to tell her that he is Santa and she says, oh, God. get the fuck out of here. <laughs> I'm kind of fuzzy on the next part but somehow his son's emotional problems and Principal Carol's rejection are reversed and fixed when he shows them a magic snow globe. Wait, he... That's how he convinces her? Yeah, they're both convinced. His son is convinced not to be a delinquent anymore and the principal is convinced that he is Santa Claus because he shows <laughs> right. them a magic snow globe. You just have to buy Which it. Which is pretty incredible because one, adults don't even think Santa's real to begin with. So, now you're convincing her not just A, Santa Claus is real and B, I'm Santa Claus. 
That's a tough sell. This is like uh, the last podcast on the left recently did uh, an episode on shared mental illness. Mm-hmm. And that's what this sounds like. Yeah. So, his kid and Principal Carol summon the Tooth Fairy who takes them all back to the North Pole. Yeah. And then Toy Santa is like, fuck that. He catches them and ties them up. But Scott Calvin slash real Santa goes after Toy Santa in the sky because he already left on a sleigh with his coal, with his (laughs) sleigh full of lumps of coal. Yeah. And Scott rides a rambunctious young reindeer in training named Chet. And takes him down, they crash back into Santa's village. And then his son and Principal Carol lead the army of elves in a snowball fight to overthrow the, the toy soldiers. A snowball fight, Brandon? That's, yes. Well, because it's all cute and safe. I know, but are there They're deaths not like, and casualties? Be a lot better if they, like, the elves, like, <laughs> fucking ran on them like a, like a <laughs> Civil War line of sol- soldiers with bayonets. <laughs> Well, I'd love if one side thought this was a cute movie and came prepared with snowballs <laughs> and the other side came prepared came with to knives. fight to the death. <laughs> Toy Santa is defeated. The way he's defeated is that he's reduced to six inches in height. Oh, good. So, he's toy size. He's an action figure. And then Scott marries Carol and he transforms back into Santa, which had to be very disappointing for the wedding night. And during the credits, oh. <laughs> I get it. During the credits, it's clear that Carol has begun her transformation into Mrs. Claus, which I, I assume means a fat booty and some banging <laughs> boobies and white hair. She just stays the same, except the booty like grows by 10 times and she gets some white hair. Yeah. And my last note on that is when uh, Scott is trying to explain to Carol that he is Santa, she's talking about. Like how he is as a guy. She says, well, so far so good. You don't wear socks with sandals and you've never been to prison. And Scott replies, well, (laughs) because Tim Allen did spend time in prison. Is that supposed to be like an inside joke about the real Tim Allen? Yeah. (laughs) So, there you go. Santa Claus 2 did make the top 10. Santa Claus 2. Well, it sounds like a fucking trip that I might need to watch. It does sound pretty weird. Speaking of weird, how about my next guess? Actually, are there any uh, animated films in the top 10? Yes, there are three animated films, all computer animated. I'm going to go with um, the latest version of The Grinch starring Benedict Cumberpatch. That one? Don't tell me what number if it's on there. Don't tell you. Is it on it? Yeah. Oh, okay. Let me guess the number. Three. No, it's number one. Oh, come Very on. disappointingly, the number one highest grossing Christmas movie is 2018's The Grinch, which earned $511 million. I was very upset when I saw that movie was even being made. We rented it recently so my two-year-old could watch it and I was completely bored with it. It was not, it's like the story that did not need to be told again. Uh, CGI is done by the same studio that did the Lorax and the fucking Minions. You don't like the Minions? Nah, the Minions actually are like, I know they get shit. <laughs> the minions are pretty great. They get shit on for being overused and they are overused, but. That's what I was about to say. Within yeah. the movies themselves, uh, they are pretty, pretty silly. 
Yeah. We saw the Minion movie in the theater and I thought I was going to hate it and, and I giggled. Yeah, I've seen all the Despicable Me's and the Minions and they're all great. But you're right. If you haven't seen them, you probably groan at the thought of ever seeing it because of all the stupid memes used by like your great aunt Sally and shit on yeah. Facebook. But they are funny. Kind of in like on brand for being kind of unexcited by the movie, the trivia around the Grinch uh, the 2018 version of The Grinch is also the most boring movie trivia I've ever read. Uh, so, I have some of the, the worst ones here. Okay. In Tyler, the creator's rendition of You're a Mean One, Mr. Grinch, there are two lines in which the Grinch's teeth are described as yellow. However, in this movie, the Grinch's teeth are clearly white. Whereas, in How the Grinch Stole Christmas in 2000, his teeth are yellow and extremely crooked. In the original book, and How the Grinch Stole Christmas 1966, his teeth also appeared to be white, though also crooked. In this movie, his teeth, aside from being white, are mostly straight. His teeth are white? Yeah, but who gives a fuck? <laughs> uh, so, here's the next one. Here's the next trivia. Yeah. Benedict Cumberbatch was already a fan of the book, How the Grinch Stole Christmas. Well, who the fuck wasn't? Yeah, exactly. Uh, Name a fucking child that's not a fan of that book. Here's the other one that I was like, someone fucking bothered typing this out. Benedict Cumberbatch stated his own tips or traditions for getting in the spirit. It's just about family and friends and going off grid for me. It's about decorating, of course, tree, the house. I like getting out there and being with friends and family. I'll be like, wow, I feel like I've been out three nights in a row. Oh yeah, it's Christmas. I really love that sense of it being a holiday. I just enjoy the effort that people go to everywhere with decorations. I like being in a metropolis for Christmas and I really like getting away from it all around the actual days and being in nature. Isn't exactly what, what he's... That? His tips and traditions no. for getting a holiday spirit is the exact same fucking thing that everyone else in the world does. That was the least interesting and longest thing I've ever heard that said nothing. And not only that... But that sounds like a person that's not a real person trying to convince everyone that they too can be a person. Oh, I thought it was... That was awful. I didn't interpret it as Benedict Cumberbatch being a fucking android. But <laughs> I did... it sound like... I interpreted it yeah. as, some, as a very horrible entertainment journalist asking like, hey, what are your tips for traditions for getting in the spirit? And he's like, fuck, I'm tired of promoting this stupid ass movie. Uh, I don't yeah. know. I like being around my friends and fucking family, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, Benedict. You only made $20 million to lend your voice to that movie. You can answer a few questions about Christmas. Yeah. So it was a dumb question for the journalist though. Let's be fair. Not, maybe not a, a happy, the, like the best, most representative or deserving movie to be at the top of this list. But there you have it. 2018's CGI Grinch is number one. Well, let's stay on the Grinch and do Dr. Seuss's How the Grinch Stole Christmas starring listener of the show, Jim Carrey. Yeah. I remember from doing our Jim Carrey episode roughly in the ballpark of what that movie made. I want to say between three and four hundred million. Yeah. And so, if Elf at number six is 220 million, number one is the Grinch at 511, I'm going to say that Jim Carrey's Grinch is three. You're right. It is number three. <laughs> All right, I'm not even going to say it. Uh, $345 million, so good memory there. Now, I remember this Grinch movie from my nightmares. 
<laughs> you all might remember it from uh, the year 2000, where it was directed by Ron Howard and stars Jim Carrey as the Grinch. Now, again, this is something that I won't be able to, we won't be able to share with our friends out there until the episode is dropped. But if you'll take a look, I just sent you an image of the baby Grinch. And that's how I just want to start out. <laughs> I got to tell you something. When I first saw that movie, I was like uh, 10 or 11. Mm -hmm. Probably liked it, right? Well, that shit brought my ass to tears when the oh. baby Grinch is all sad and hates Christmas. <laughs> yeah, he's, when he moves, he's cute. In that image, he looks insanely scary. <laughs> he does. It's the picture of the Grinch when not just little Grinch, but baby Grinch. He's like in a high chair. And he's chubby. I mean, he's a chubby little baby, but he's also still very grinchy and it's a yucky yeah. mix. It's kind of cute though. How did this nightmare come to be? Before his death in 1991, Dr. Seuss had refused offers to sell the film rights to his books. Yeah. However, his widow, Audrey Geisel, you know, he used to like abuse her. So, I think she was probably like, hey, fuck no, you. No, no. Remember? <laughs> we covered this. You told me that once. And, and then did. I did the Jim Carrey episode and, and covered this movie. Yeah. Or maybe it was our author's episode. Anyway, we've covered Dr. Seuss in detail at one point. And it never came up in my research that he was like an abusive asshole. So, I think you're, <laughs> you're spewing shit on here. on his, his grave again? Well, I mean, me did you read that or are you just saying that from your memory? Okay, his first wife committed suicide. Here's oh. some other people. Ten family unfriendly facts from the life of Dr. Seuss. Okay. Was Dr. Seuss racist and did he abuse his wife? Let's find out real quick. Maybe I'm misremembering, but I, I, I don't recall coming across that. Okay, let's see. He once staged a minstrel show in college and donned blackface for his role. I mean, that's horrible, but not, it's not like terribly exceptional. uncommon for the time. Yeah, because yeah. many people were unexceptionally racist back then. So, let's see. Was he abusive to his wife? He married uh, his first wife, Helen Palmer, 1927. She spent the last 13 years of her life battling health problems, including cancer. And then he allegedly began an affair with Audrey Stone Demond. Diamond. Who became his wife, maybe? There's no account of him being physically abusive to her. It suggested that his affair put her through emotional abuse. And then she committed suicide by overdosing on barbiturates. Hmm. R.I.P. Anyway, Dr. Seuss, probably a good guy. <laughs> Who knows? Yeah, no <laughs> one really knows. Who are we to judge? Anyway, his widow said, I am going to agree to several merchandising deals, including clothing lines, accessories, and CDs. And in 1998, her agents announced via letter that she would auction the film rights of How the Grinch Stole Christmas. In order to pitch their ideas to her, the producers and studio suitors ultimately had to be willing to pay $5 million for the material and hand over 4% of the box office gross, 50% of the merchandising revenue, and music-related material, and 70% of the income from book tie-ins. The letter also stated that any actor submitted for The Grinch must be of comparable stature to Jack Nicholson, Jim Carrey, Robin Williams, and Dustin Hoffman. 
Additionally, it was stipulated the estate would not consider a director or writer who had not earned at least $1 million on a previous picture. A couple things here. One, when you first hear all that, you might think, man, she's unreasonable or greedy or selfish. But when you think about it, this is the first movie based on Dr. Seuss, who's like this fucking legend in the children's uh, literary game. I don't know. I don't blame her for any of that. I think she's the one sitting on the golden, the golden yeah. goose. She's like, I got you guys by the balls. Give me 50% of the merch. Yeah. I think that's totally reasonable considering the super valuable IP that is the Grinch. Now, second. This... Oh, go ahead. Jack Nicholson is the Grinch. That's what I was thinking. Fuck, I want that. I want that bad. Don't put him in a whole bunch of makeup. Just paint him green. <laughs> Am I right? Now, take old Jack Nicholson. Like, I'm picturing him in The Bucket List, the yeah. movie with Morgan uh, and Freeman. just paint him green. <laughs> just paint his ass green. I'm in for it. Holy shit, I'd pay so much money wouldn't for that. Wouldn't that be the best Grinch? That would get my ass <laughs> in the theater. I wouldn't care if it was a pandemic. I'd risk it to see that in the theater. And when you're filming the movie, don't do any scenes with him unless you just woke him up. <laughs> yeah, just wake <laughs> him up and get him all amped up with cheese sandwiches. <laughs> oh, god damn, I want that. Jack Nicholson, if you're listening, it's not too late. <laughs> to, to paint your 80-year-old <laughs> self totally green. <laughs> so, 20th Century Fox pitched their version with director Tom Shadiak and producers Dave Phillips and John Davis in attendance in which Nicholson was in mind to play the Grinch. That would have been so good. But it didn't happen. So, according to Rick Baker, who did the makeup for the movie, the prosthetic makeup Jim Carrey wore took about two hours to apply and one hour to remove. It's rumored that Jim Carrey felt so confined and uncomfortable in the latex skin that he sought counseling from a CIA agent who taught him torture resistance techniques. Holy shit. Jim Carrey is also a little, uh, he's an interesting fella, I guess you could say. Mm -hmm. I don't think it takes like getting Grinch skin put on him to make him go nuts. Grinch skin. Yeah. There's worse things that could happen to you. He accepted the role of the Grinch when he heard a tape of a kid's choir singing the song, You're a Mean One, Mr. Grinch. Had he never heard it before? I, the, I was kind of confused about how I should interpret the meaning like, or the significance behind that bit of trivia. And I have to guess it's because he realized, like, it is a staple of childhood. You know, every kid yeah. knows who the Grinch is and what the Grinch means and what the Grinch story is about. And he was probably like, yeah, I want to cement myself as the number three grossing, highest grossing Christmas movie of all time. And even though he's behind Benedict Cumberbatch's Grinch, the Jim Carrey version is way more memorable, famous, iconic. The 2018 Grinch has like already been forgotten, I feel like. <laughs> yeah, I, I forgot it existed until I put this list together. But and Jim then, Carrey's Grinch lives on. Like I, that is a big one. It does. I still don't like you don't it. You don't like it. very uncomfortable. Yeah. You know, Jim Carrey hated that makeup and he would act like a real dickhead about it. Like he would, um, mm -hmm. he would disappear and then come back and like he would have ripped his suit apart. So much that the makeup artist that like was in charge of putting on his suit and stuff said he retired from film after that. He was like, I can't, I don't want to work in this industry anymore because of Jim Carrey. God. Yeah, I remember, re I think I remember that he like kicked a hole in this trailer or something like that. 
out of frustration from his makeup. <laughs> from his makeup. Yeah, I hate it when my makeup pisses me off that bad. Yeah. There you go. Dr. Seuss's How the Grinch Stole Christmas! Exclamation mark at number three. Let me take us down a sidetrack for just a moment. You mentioned that the Grinch is a staple of every child's childhood. Well, when we were growing up and you watched like the networks around Christmas time to see some like holiday classics like the Charlie Brown Christmas or Peanuts Christmas, mm-hmm. Frosty the Snowman and the Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer and also in that mix was the animated version of How the Grinch Stole Christmas. Yeah, which is the best one. That's my yes. favorite Christmas movie ever. Yeah, the music's good. The animation is really good. I think we, I don't know if we talked about that. It's Chuck Jones, my boy, Chuck Jones. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it makes me laugh. Well, anyway, what I was going to ask about, you know, you brought up Grinch being a staple of childhood. That, that brought up an interesting question in my mind. So, if you were to take Christmas, and let's just stick to, I guess, like English-speaking countries. But you take Christmas, clearly the most like famous, iconic, like symbol of Christmas is Santa Claus. Everybody knows Santa Claus, no question. But who's number two on that in like Christmas-themed characters? Is it the Grinch? Oh, specifically Christmas? Yeah. Either like the, you, uh, the Grinch yeah. and maybe like Buddy the Elf is making a, making no. a run for it. I think Rudolph would be above Oh, Buddy. yeah, probably so Rudolph. Frosty. Anyway, doesn't matter, but just interesting. I, I bet the Grinch has got to be number two or three. Okay, so another guess here. I'm going to say number nine. Hmm. Maybe not though. But uh, Jim Carrey's uh, Scrooge movie. A Christmas Carol? A Christmas Carol. Uh, It's actually number four. Huh. It earned $325 million when it came out in 2009. So, I'm going to edit this to say, I think it's number four. I think it's number four. (laughs) Completely different voice. It's another one of these 3D computer animated motion capture movies. Uh, It was written and directed by Robert Zemeckis. It's another film adaptation of Charles Dickens' 1843 story. Uh, Jim Carrey stars as Ebenezer Scrooge and the three ghosts, pulling some Eddie Murphy shit. Mm -hmm. Robert Zemeckis stated previously that A Christmas Carol is one of his favorite stories dealing with time travel. He also really because yeah. I find it pretty boring. Oh, do you have a f- like a preferred version of a Christmas Carol? No, no. Oh. I mean, I don't even know if I've seen. Uh, I can't think of the last time I watched any Christmas Carol. Have you seen the movie Scrooged? No, with but Bill Murray. Brought it up before. Yeah. It's a ver- It is a version of a Christmas Carol, and I think it's. I think it's by far the best one. I think you would actually like that one. It used to be on Netflix, but it's one of those that comes and goes. I think uh, maybe you're going to bring this up, but the animation of this movie, Mm -hmm. Christmas Carol, just annoys me. It's almost like just have the real people. Yes. If you're going to try to make the animation look as lifelike as possible, then what's the appeal at that point? I don't think it's particularly like visually artistic, like visually pleasing or interesting to look at. I don't think that kind of animation, that motion capture stuff is interesting when the entire movie is like that. I think when it's used like, Andy Serkis and Gollum in Lord of the Rings or those Planet of the Apes movies, the Dawn of the Planet of the Apes, the prequel movies. It makes sense when you're trying to make something that is not 
able to behave or act like a human behave and act like that using motion capture and that that guy Andy Serkis is pretty damn good at doing that but yeah when the whole movie is like that it's just fucking for no reason it's just fucking weird yeah everything looks creepy and weird it's like I'm watching a whole movie full of toy Santa from Santa Claus too I would also love if Jack Nicholson played the toy Santa (laughs) so I have nine seven five and two left Yes. I'm on the fence on this one. If it's in here, it'll be seven or nine. But how about the Polar Express with Tom Hanks? The Polar Express is the other CGI motion capture movie, also by Robert Zemeckis, that is in the top 10. It's number five. Same exact complaint here with this one as the Christmas Carol for me. It's the same thing, but with Tom Hanks instead of Jim Carrey. Yeah. It came out in 2004, five years before Christmas Carol, made $313 million. The main thing I, I think of when I think of the Polar Express is not the movie, although I don't think I've seen the whole thing all the way through. It looks fucking boring as hell to me. I mainly think about my kid having pajama day at school for Polar Express Day. Does your daughter also have that? Uh, I mean, she's worn pajamas to school, but they don't, I didn't know it was Polar Express Day. What does that mean? It's the day that they watch Polar Express in their pajamas because in the movie, that's, that's the kids it. are in their pajamas. <laughs> yeah. It's a, I don't know. Whether or not it's Polar Express or not, I think pajama day at school sucks ass. <laughs> Do you? Why? Because you're a Grinch? No. Uh, it's because, well, I am only thinking about it from the parents' perspective. One, if it's cold outside, pajamas are the least warm and protective type of clothing that you have. Two... I sort of think it's gross to wear the stuff, even though you're going to wash it, the stuff that you sleep in, I don't think it's gross to wear to school, which is one of the grossest places on the planet. They should just stay as close to the bed as possible. Mm -hmm. They don't need to be at school. Pajama day sucks. That's just one man's opinion. All right. Hot take. Pajama day sucks. You heard it here first. One man's opinion, which is yelled at to a seven-year-old who is indifferent on the way to school. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, it's a computer animated adventure, fr- adventure film co-written and directed by Robert Zemeckis. He's just gone gaga over this motion picture crap. It's based on the 1985 children's book by Chris Van Allsburg. Do you know or remember, I don't know this, there's a cameo by Steven Tyler as the elf lieutenant slash elf singer. <laughs> uh, uh, no, <laughs> that was not off the it top of my head. does make me kind of want to hunt down that clip. Yeah. And yeah, the the Polar Express is another version of the Christmas of a Christmas carol. Robert Zemeckis made the same Christmas carol shit twice. Considering the names and the budgets behind those movies, they didn't do that great. But, you know, that that cameo by Steven Tyler would be so much more powerful and impactful if it was real actors and not this shitty animation. True that. Polar Express right. number 5. Does this list consider Die Hard uh, no. on here? No. Would it be in the top 10, do you know? Uh, I would think it would have to be, yeah. Let's look it up. Let me tell you, there, of the three remaining, I would be... It wouldn't be, by the way. I'd be knocked out of my chair if you got number seven or number nine. I never, ever, ever would have guessed either one of these. One of them, I had no idea even existed. Well, I'm going to knock you out of your chair. Number two, I think you probably like have on your list as a guess. So, let's knock number two out then because it's Home Alone 
One of the Home Alones. Yeah, one or it's two. the first one, Home Alone. Home Alone 2 must not have crossed the 172 million mark, which I find that pretty surprising. Me. Yeah. Home Alone grossed $476 million wow. and it came out in 1990. Now, I remember the day I saw Home Alone in the theater, I had found an arrowhead necklace in my grandpa's backyard that afternoon and I wore that arrowhead necklace to the movie theater to see Home Alone. An arrowhead necklace? Yeah. Why are you telling us this? I don't know. I was eight and I found an arrowhead <laughs> necklace the day that I saw Home Alone at the theater in 1990. Well, that's pretty special. I'm glad you told us that. So, it was written by John Hughes. The original scores by John Williams. He stepped in when the original composer backed out. And the filmmakers never thought they could get John Williams, but he saw an early cut of the movie and was, quote, enchanted. Enchanted. Okay. Well, I, yeah, it is. It's got some good it's the best movie, movie we've covered so far. Yes, uh, that's what I was going to say. I think this is probably, besides Elf, this is the best movie on the list. I'd put it ahead of Elf, but yeah. John Candy was available for only one day to film his scenes. Really? It took 23 total hours to shoot. Holy shit. He was paid $414 since he did the film as a favor to John Hughes. Wow. In return, he was the only favor that Hughes allowed to go off script. According to director Chris Columbus, all of his dialogue was improvised. I can't believe they filmed all that in one day. I mean, he was in a lot of scenes. Polka King of the Midwest? <laughs> Very big in Sheboygan. Yeah. Macaulay Culkin drew the map that his character uses to set up the traps. You remember that map he rolls out? Yeah. Yeah. The, I got this, the idea for this list because we were watching Home Alone and I went to the IMDb page and was fascinated by some of the facts. And then I decided I wanted to talk about this movie and see if any other Christmas movies were worth talking about. So far, not really. <laughs> During rehearsal for the scene where Harry attempts to bite off Kevin's finger, Joe Pesci actually bit Macaulay Culkin and left a scar on his finger. Damn. Did he apologize? I guarantee he did not apologize. <laughs> Macaulay Culkin's stunt double for the movie was a very short 30-year-old man. <laughs> <laughs> I like to think he was like chewing on a short cigar. <laughs> Oh, I love that. Uh, despite Kevin being home alone, he's never uh, seen in his own room, huh. which I hadn't thought about till he pointed it out. Yeah. Listen to this shit. In the rumored original draft of the screenplay, Uncle Frank is revealed to be the real villain. He's the villain behind the villains. He got Harry and Marv to work for him and he hired them to rob the McAllister house and the other houses in the neighborhood and also to kill Kevin. Kill Kevin? <laughs> I know. But they didn't even know Kevin was there. That's the whole point of Home Alone. I don't know, but I mean, obviously, it was, a, it was this is some first draft material, but Uncle Frank God. also was going to originally murder Kevin. Well, then it wouldn't have been a PG kids movie. Well, you say kids movie. When kids watch this movie, when you watched it as a kid, what was your favorite part of the movie? What's your favorite section of the movie? It's when he's doing all the traps. Right, the traps, the injuries to mm -hmm. the robbers. Yep. Well, Dr. Ryan St. Clair of the Wheel Cornell Medical College diagnosed each of the injuries in this movie. So, we're about to go through those injuries. Okay. So, the injury, one of the early injuries, uh, Marv gets shot with a BB gun to the forehead. 
Yeah. Classic air-powered projectile weapons typically have muzzle velocities of 350 feet per second or less. A BB fired at close range from such a weapon would could break the skin but will not penetrate the skull and is unlikely to penetrate Harry's scrotum, especially through the fabric. Remember, he also uh, shot Harry in the nuts. So the next injury, the iron falling on the Marv's face. Let's estimate the Mm. distance from the first floor to the basement at 15 feet and assume a steam iron weighs four pounds. And note that the iron strikes Marv squarely in the mid face. This is a serious impact with enough force to fracture the bones surrounding the eyes. This is also known as a blowout fracture and can lead to serious disfigurement and debilitating double vision if not repaired properly. A blowjob fracture? A blowout fracture. Fracture. Oh, okay. So, <laughs> yeah. so okay. So, so he got a blowjob so good he came out disfigured. <laughs> At this point, he would be debilitated. Right. right? He would For, look he... like sloth from the Goonies. His head would be all disfigured <laughs> and mushed up. And he'd have double vision. He couldn't do the rest of the. He couldn't he see does. hide nor hair of the McAllister. Or Harry, right? All right. Now handling a burning hot doorknob. Now, if the doorknob is glowing visibly red in the dark, it has been heated to about 750 degrees Fahrenheit. <laughs> oh, shit. And Harry gives it a nice, strong one to two second grip. By comparison, one second of contact with 155 degree water is enough to cause third degree burns. The temperature of that doorknob is not quite hot enough to cause Harry's hand to burst into flames, but it's not that far off. Assuming Harry doesn't lose his hand completely, he will almost certainly have other serious complications, including a high risk of infection or, uh, and contracture, in which resulting scar tissue seriously limits the flexibility and movement of the hand, rendering it less than 100% useful. Kevin has now moved from defending his house into sheer malice, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm, I've always thought that. So basically, I mean, well, it's a, it's a thin line because they are trying to break in. But and they're, permanently also, they're also extremely slow learners. Yeah. In fact, like their, their desire to get into the home quickly escalates from stealing the goods into revenge on the child. Mm-hmm. So, next injury, blowtorch to the scalp. Yes. Harry has an interesting reaction to having a lit blowtorch aimed directly at his scalp. Rather than remove himself from danger, he keeps the top of his skull directly in the line of fire for about seven seconds. <laughs> he does just sort of freeze and scream for a while. What was <laughs> That's likely kind of the hairy special in those. What was likely a simple second degree burn is now a full thickness burn likely to cause necrosis of the calivarium, the skull bone. That means the skin and bone tissue on Harry's skull will be so damaged and rotten that his skull bone is essentially dying and will likely to require a transplant. On his skull? Yeah. How do you do a skull transplant? Maybe just for the skull bone, like the top of the scalp. I don't know. All right, next one, walking barefoot on Christmas ornaments. Walking on ornaments seems pretty insignificant compared to everything else we've seen so far. If I was Marv, I'd be more concerned about my facial fractures. (laughs) Okay, a couple more injuries to go. Paint can to the face. Now, that would kill you. Yes. Assuming the paint can is full, roughly 10 pounds, and the rope is 10 feet long, Marv and Harry each take a roughly 2 kilonewton hit to the face. That's about 450 pound forces 
hit to the face. That's easily enough to, to fracture multiple facial bones and is going to knock you out cold. Also, I wouldn't expect either of the wet bandits to walk away from this with all of their teeth. Which they didn't. We know that uh, Harry lost his gold tooth. You know, in Home Alone 2, Kevin is on top of a like a skyscraper <laughs> and he throws bricks. <laughs> I think about this like semi-regularly. He hits them right in the face. With bricks like a, a couple of times. Yeah. It's funny. The I first mean, one, you're dead after yeah. the first one. The way they shoot it is funny. It still comes off as cartoony and funny. But yeah, they are extremely violent. <laughs> violent yeah. acts. And he's not even bleeding. No, it just has a red mark. Yeah. Uh, the final injury, shovel to the back of the head. Remember, uh, old man Marley delivers yeah. the, the blow to the back of the head. <laughs> the doctor says, seriously? At this point, Marv and Harry have both suffered potentially crippling hand and foot injuries. Harry has proven to be nearly impervious to burns and both <laughs> managed to retain consciousness after taking a flying paint can straight to the face. Suddenly, a frail elderly man appears and weakly slaps them in turn with a flimsy aluminum Home Depot snow shovel. Somehow, this is too much for them and they collapse. This movie was way more believable when I was eight. Well, doctor, stick in the ass. <laughs> I thought his breakdown of the injuries was pretty great. That is funny. But you know what's not funny? You made a mistake in this list. What's up? Home Alone 2 mm -hmm. grossed $359 million, which would put it between two and three. Yeah. Well, fucking Wikipedia, what so, are you going to do? Can't trust Brandon to do a top 10 list. No. Nope. Um, and also, before we move on from Home Alone, I was on the Home Alone wiki and it looks like they're remaking Home Alone on Disney Plus. Yep. So, who's going to be the kid? I mean, they should make it with Macaulay Culkin now playing an eight-year-old. Have you seen the commercial he did like a year ago where he was... For the Google Home Assistant? Yeah, right. I did and... That was fun. I follow him on Twitter. He seems like he's got a pretty good... He's got a pretty good sense of humor for someone who's obviously had a bizarre childhood. Yeah. So the... Oh, Ellie, Ellie Kemper who plays Aaron in The Office. She's in the cast yeah. for the new Home Alone. Anyway, it's Home Alone. Uh, so, I need seven and nine. So, let's uh, get to the bottom He's of this. He's going to be nearly what? impossible for you, I think, but... Let's start with seven. Okay. What decade? It came out in the 2000s. It is the only one of these movies that I was like, oh. Is it animated? It's a, no, it's not animated. It was like, I was like, oh, it's a Christmas movie. And then I really like thought about the name again. I was like, oh yeah, fucking of course it is. I'll tell you, it is not a kid's movie. Krampus? Kids could probably see it. No, it's not. Uh, it's a romantic comedy. Maybe this is the kind of thing like, like your wife has caught, has like watched it and you've caught part of it or maybe she... I don't think this is the movie you're talking about, but a separate guess is Four Christmases with Vince Vaughn. No. Okay. That I would have been more likely to see, I think, than this one. Uh, who's in this one? Seven. Kate Winslet, Cameron Diaz, Jude Law, and Jack Black. Oh. Oh, I can picture that in my mind. What is it called? Is it The Holiday? Yeah, it is called The Holiday. It came out in 2006. Are you falling out of your chair? <laughs> I, I guess I am. <laughs> the Holiday came out in 2006. It grossed $205 million. And yeah, it's a romantic comedy written, produced, and directed by Nancy Myers. And she's done a lot of romantic comedies. Love Nancy Myers. 
It stars Kate Winslet and Cameron Diaz as Iris and Amanda, two lovelorn women from opposite sides of the Atlantic Ocean. Okay. They arrange a home exchange to escape heartbreak during the Christmas and holiday season. And Jude Law and Jack Black were cast as the film's leading men, Graham and Miles. And something I noticed that romantic comedy male characters always have like very gentle or passive sounding names. Well, it's by design, I'm Graham sure. Graham or Miles, Chadwick. Yeah, if, you're, if your name is Graham or Miles, just fucking unsubscribe right now. Do you know which actor is paired with which actress? Yeah, Kate Winslet is getting touched by Jack Black. And Cameron oh, man, Diaz is uh, getting 69 by, by Jude Law. Well, so Kate Winslet kind of got the raw end of the deal there, huh? No offense, Jack, but... Poor guy. It has, the wiki page for this movie has extremely detailed character sections, which I skipped over. Cool, good. On an episode of The Tonight Show with Jay Leno, uh, Dustin Hoffman said that his cameo in the film was unplanned and not scripted. He was driving by blockbuster video shown in the film. Like, what fucking year was this, 2006? Anyway, he's yeah, driving. Blockbuster's still around. He's driving by Blockbuster, and he saw cameras and equipment. So he decided to stop in and see what was happening. Which I'm already like, what? Dustin Hoffman was driving by Blockbuster and saw cameras and was like, hmm, I guess I'll just stop. <laughs> and because he knew writer and director Nancy Myers, they worked up a scene which ultimately made the final cut. I mean, it is pretty cool to be like, I'm an actor and I can do right. whatever the fuck I want and just walk on to any movie set. Yeah, can I come be in this movie? Yeah. I wonder if you, do you get paid for shit like that? Yeah, Like I for don't those know. unplanned cameos? I don't know. Because you shouldn't, but you know how fucking actors are and their agents. You know how fucking Hoffman is. Yeah. Uh, so, that's all I had on the holiday. It's, it technically takes place at the holiday. I never would have been like, that's a good Christmas movie. Well, guess what? I'll never see it. Nope. So, that's fun. Uh, but before I nail number nine, like you know I will, I want to do some quick house cleaning before I forget. Want to let you know that this episode was released on December 23rd and me and Brandon, we're dead. we got families and shit Oh, and we're going to die and go to gay conversion camp. Remember last time you said we're going to... To get turned gay. To get turned gay, yes. Anyway, we're doing that the next two weeks. So, the next two weeks we will not have new episodes. Our next new episode will be three weeks on January 13th, 2021 and that's assuming the world doesn't end by then, of course. But between now and then, if you need your tennis fix... Here's some ways you can do that. We're going to have a new Patreon-only bonus episode releasing during this break period. You can sign up at patreon.com slash tennispod to get that. The next two weeks, I'm going to post best of episodes, just like we did on our last break. And you can also catch us on various other podcasts, including, let's see, Brandon was on the November 28th episode of the Just Conversation podcast. We were both on the December 5th episode of LA Not So Confidential, which you can watch on our YouTube channel. And Brandon was recently on the Mr. Bunker's Conspiracy Time podcast, which I'm not sure on the exact date that will release, but sometime in the next few weeks that will drop. So there you go. That's how you can find us. And yeah, fuck it. Fuck yeah. you. We'll see you on January 13th. Deal with that. Now guess me a number nine. So my guess for number nine, what decade? 2010s. Okay. Is this kind of in the holiday? Oh, yeah. I, I bet I had 
100% never even heard of this movie before. Give me an, again, a name, an actor or actress. Um, here, I'll, I'll start reading and uh, let's see if any of this like helps. Uh, the movie we're talking about is an American fantasy adventure film directed by Lace Hallstrom and Joe Johnston. Joe Johnston also did Honey, I Shrunk the Kids, Jumanji, Jurassic Park 3, The Rocketeer, The Wolfman, Captain America, The First Avenger. The fucking Wolfman. <laughs> right. And, but was, that's why partly I was surprised I hadn't even heard of this movie because that guy makes pretty big movies. It's a telling of Hoffman's short story, The Nutcracker and the Mouse King. Oh, is it the one that came out like two years ago, The Nutcracker? Uh, do you know or the about, full... It might have a different name, but... Yeah, do you know the full title? It came out 2018. So, you were... No, it's a Disney movie, right? Uh, maybe so. I guess so. You uh, seem to be at least somewhat familiar with it. It is called The Nutcracker and the Four Realms. I knew it. I haven't seen it. I just remember the commercials. For yeah, it. I'm not completely out of, loop, out of the loop, but I had never seen an ad, never heard the title before, nothing. That's because they don't play the ads in the, in the daily newspaper you read <laughs> right. in your recliner. Oh, so it's all, and it's also based on the uh, Tchaikovsky Ballet, The Nutcracker, about a young girl who's gifted a locked egg from her deceased mother and she sets out. Locked egg? Yeah, and a mat to a magical land to retrieve the key. It stars Kiera Knightley as the Sugar Plum Fairy. Oh, Kiera Knightley. Remember just recently we were talking about her and I was like, where'd Kiera Knightley go? She's so there she a is. fucking Sugar Plum Fairy, which is also my nickname in high school. <laughs> it stars a bunch of other people I'd never heard of before, except for Richard Grant, Helen Mirren, and Morgan Freeman. Yeah, I'm seeing Morgan Freeman in an eye patch on the poster. It's, yes. Now, it received generally negative reviews. I would hope so. Criticisms of its story and dance routines. It has a 32% <laughs> on Rotten Tomatoes. I love how they don't just uh, criticize the plot or the writing. It's like fucking dance moves suck. You guys dance like <laughs> shit too. So, so, this review actually kind of made me interested. I was like, now nah, I got to check this out. I got to see some videos. Uh, David Ehrlich of IndieWire gave the film a grade of D+, <laughs> which is like even more of a slap in the face than just a D, I think, uh, calling the film empty but eye-popping. So, he went on to write, watching a visually spectacular but virtually soulless new family movie like The Nutcracker and the Four Realms is tempting to wonder if such eye-popping dreck has any hope of sticking with impressionable young audiences. Is there any chance that the kids today might be nostalgic for this hyper-saturated nonsense tomorrow? So anyway, I was like, God, this does not sound like it sucks ass. So I went and I watched the trailer, which I guess you have probably seen at some point too. And the trailer was like typical, like a Hollywood mm -hmm. trailer with like huge thudding drums. Like everything is epic about it. The soundtrack and each shot. It makes the Nutcracker look like the fucking battle to save the galaxy. Yeah. It is Disney, by the way. I looked yeah. it up. Oh, and it also, I, probably because it's also made by the same producers and a lot of the same people who made like Tim Burton's Alice in Wonderland and some of those other Disney movies, it kind of rips off that Tim Burton vibe too, where everything is like. Yeah. Which I'm fucking done with, by the way, as a side note. Yeah. I'm over Tim Burton. Yeah, too much of a, I mean, it's a good thing, but like, it's just too much. 
Helen Mirren, this is uh, from IMDb. These are the best, best of the best trivia uh, notes. Now, Helen Mirren, she had to take whip-cracking lessons to prepare for her role as Mother Ginger. This presents the visual <laughs> pun of a ginger snap. So they did all that, including whip crack training, just to get that joke in there. Which is a joke that makes people want to punch. <laughs> and you mentioned that Morgan Freeman wears an eye patch in it. And yeah. I would imagine if I went to this movie specifically because I was like, I got to see the Morgan Freeman eye patch movie. Even though he's given top billing, Morgan Freeman is only in the beginning and the end of the film and has a total of six minutes of screen time. God. Well, yeah, if you have Morgan Freeman, even for six minutes, you got you to advertise it. I mean, that gets people to go, seriously. So, I don't blame them. Oh, uh, that's it. Uh, it is just... I got something for you. It looks like a real stinker. I went to the wiki and that landed me on the main, the main character in the film. I don't know what her character's name is, but I like the main little girl. Nutsy, the nutcracker. Her name is Mackenzie Foy. She's 20 now. And... She was also in Interstellar. She played Young Murphy. Oh, yeah. She was in The Conjuring. And on Wikipedia, it says her father was a truck driver. Her mother was a homemaker. They had no connections to the film industry. But she started acting at age nine and doing pretty fucking well. She's 20 now. And she, yeah. So anyway, she'll probably be in a lot more shit like, soon. Mackenzie Foy, listener of the show. So, is it safe to say that I dominated this list much like the Grinch dominates Christmas? Yes. Much like uh, okay. Toy Santa and his toy soldier army dominated Santa's elves, forcing them to coal lump every boy and girl in the world. Just like the Grinch with a gun. You dominated this list, focusing on the multiples of two. <laughs> it worked out for me. It always does. To recap, top 10 highest grossing Christmas movies, uh, with the exception of Home Alone 2, which is clearly missing from this list. Number 10 was The Santa Claus 2. Number 9, The Nutcracker in the Four Realms. Bleh. Number 8, The Santa Claus. Number 7, The Holiday. Number 6, Elf. Number 5, The Polar Express. Number 4 was A Christmas Carol. Number 3 was Dr. Seuss's How the Grinch Stole Christmas! Exclamation point. Number mm -hmm. 2, Home Alone. And number 1, The Grinch. Home Alone 2 would be between Home Alone 1 and Jim Carrey's Grinch. And uh, I'm going to say that the top three in order that I've seen, Home Alone 1, and then Elf, and then The Santa Claus. And now you got to see The Santa Claus 2. I do. I got to see that knife versus snowball fight. <laughs> Santa with a gun. Well, speaking of guns, our listeners shot guns of joys and reviews for us over at Apple Podcasts. I'm going to read a few reviews now. Kim C413 on Apple said, Nick and Brandon are great! The first one I listened to was Top 10 Horror Movies and I had so much fun hearing their takes on the movies and plots, I immediately clicked on another episode. I have this podcast set to binge all weekend. Great job, guys. It's always great when we can talk about bloody fucking horrible murder and shit in horror movies and it gets people to listen more. The ready to We didn't binge. turn them away. Yep. Yeah. Thank you, Kim. And the next one from Tombstone Reaper says, The first episode I checked out from these hilarious gentlemen was their episode about the rise of Skywalker, episode 69, wink, wink. <laughs> their pal... Nice. 
Their Palpatine impressions had me awkwardly laughing out loud at work and I didn't even care. The wit and banter between these two makes you want to keep listening on until you lose track of time. And Brandon, I'm going to read the next part verbatim. Mm-hmm. I'm a sucker for a nice voice and Brandon sounds like the perfect blend of two YouTubers I love for their voices, which are Gassy Mexican and... <laughs> Do you say Daffy? Gassy Mexican and Corpse Husband. Okay. Well, so, those are two YouTubers you need to look up now because apparently you sound like a mix of them. Like their voice baby. Yeah. And uh, our new Patreon tier is going to include Brandon doing um, different noise vibrations to, uh, to get <laughs> you going. Noises. No, no, remember we had that review that said that you, they, you make them tingle? Oh, so right. We're going to record you doing stuff on people's phones and they can put it in a very strategic, <laughs> they can put their phone in a very strategic spot and the rest will just happen. Sure. It'll take care of itself. Yeah. So, that's at patreon.com. <laughs> Coming soon. All right. Well, we did it. It's the holiday season. It's already the holiday season. Now, you're in the spirit. Now, we're in the spirit, maybe. Hmm. Probably. Yeah, I'm not really in the spirit. I'm not any better off than I was. To be honest, I'm just pissed off at some of these movies now. I'm like halfway there on Christmas spirit. You got a half boner for Christmas? Got a half chub for Christmas. Working on... <laughs> working on full chub. You'll be full chub by Christmas well, I'm Day. I'm working maybe. on a Christmas Eve full on boner. That's great. <laughs> well... <laughs> Made me think of, Chris, of Michael Scott. The only thing I'm worrying about is being a Christmas boner. <laughs> yeah, me too. But I've had a boner this whole episode, so I'm going to go call a doctor, figure out what the deal is with that. In the meantime, don't forget that we will be back. Our next new episode will be on January 13th. We appreciate you listening. Happy holidays. Happy Hanukkah. Merry Christmas. Uh, What are the other ones? Uh, Happy New Year. All the shit. Catch the rainbow. Taste the rainbow. Uh, Bop, 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 bop. I'm loving it. Smell the glove. That's it. Goodbye. Bye.